you know, we often use words we, we think we understand, you know, the words that we use to communicate until somebody asks us to define them. And so there are sometimes that there are words that we, you know, we, we're asked to define and people, you know, want to know and we, we say things like, well, I think, that, I think this word means this or I think, you know, let me go to dictionary.com real quick and, and even sometimes that we, we, we define these words and we find the definition, there's still something that we find that's missing. And I think that's way with the word wisdom. And I think for some reason, I think one of the reasons is that so much of our lives have been professionalized that we can very easily slip into this idea, slip into this notion that it's the responsibility of some profession to impart to us wisdom, to give us understanding. And so we, we continue our education. We sign up for those online classes. Uh, we seek professionals uh, uh, to tell us. And we, we think that wisdom is something that you can purchase, something that you can buy, instead of being a lifelong, ongoing process of maturity and growth. And here we find in the text, we just read it, that wisdom herself is speaking to us. What is she saying in verses 32 and 34, if you're following? She's saying, listen to me. Listen to me, blessed or happy. Happy are those who keep my ways. Happy is the one who listens to me. And here's the promise. The promise is getting wisdom. Whoever gets it, whoever finds it, finds life. And whoever finds life finds favor with God. And so how do we find it? Is it buried underneath this church? How do we find it? Is it, do we got to climb Mount Everest? Do we got to jump out of a plane? How do, where, where do we get it? How do we find it? Right? Is, is it hidden in, in a safe somewhere? And, it, it, and if it's where we can find true happiness, true and lasting happiness, how do we find wisdom? We're entering a new series over the summer. And I hope to discover, uh, pastor's here, Carter, he's, he'll be back next week. I hope that we can discover the many different ways that wisdom is asking us to keep. Wisdom is not just a matter of information. It's not just a matter of, of data, but it's the skillful and application of the truth that we find in the gospel for everyday life. And so my prayer is that we learn to apply these principles that we'll learn over the course of the summer so that we can find the best means to use at the best times to accomplish the best ends. And I'd like to talk a couple things about wisdom. I want to walk away with just two things tonight, the value of wisdom and the nature of wisdom. Firstly, the value of wisdom. We just read the author of Proverbs, true and lasting happiness. Where do we find it? We find it in wisdom. Our thirst for happiness is insatiable, insatiable in this world. And if we don't have the wisdom to find it in God, we don't have the wisdom to find it of God, we will find it in whatever substitutes, whatever substitutes this world has to offer. Terrorist attacks like the ones that we heard about last week will find happiness in in their brutal acts of injustice, as crazy as that sounds. Athletes, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the finals, but athletes will, will find it in getting that next ring or, or breaking that world record. Executives will find it uh, happiness in, in climbing the social ladder. Uh, 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 scholars may find it in publishing more books. Artists may find it in selling more records. And on and on the sources where people seek to be happy apart from God are countless. 
But happiness, blessings, these things will not bring true and lasting value. It's not ultimate. It's not eternal. It's not the joy that we were made for when we seek it apart from God. And it leaves us feeling unsatisfied. And it leaves us feeling frustrated, incomplete. It feels like something is missing. So the value of wisdom is seen here in two ways. Firstly, the value of wisdom is established. Verses 10 and 11, it says, take my instruction instead of silver. Take it. Take my knowledge rather than gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you desire cannot compare with her. We see here that we're being told, we're being taught and instructed to stop seeking happiness, to stop purchasing uh, uh, the fulfillment of all of our desires and the many different ways that we can do that and start seeking it in a completely different way. What sets us apart as Christians, as a church, from the world is not that we've given up on this universal quest for happiness. Is that now we're being told to find this happiness, to find it in, the, in, a, in a completely different source, that is to find it in Jesus who for the joy, who for the happiness, who for the blessing set before him endured the cross for us. And that's a great and liberating truth that we are made to be eternally happy in him. This is what we were created for. And there will be times where this process is not going to be fun. The process of growth and and maturity, it's not always going to feel good, but the results will bring lasting value. Listen to how the psalmist puts it. He says it like this. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And all the characteristics of wisdom flow from a deep dependence and knowledge of God and his ways. Jesus tells us this in the gospel that the man who, who listens to his words and does them is like the wise man who builds his house on a solid and established and firm foundation. And so a good definition of godly wisdom is to hear and do God's word. And so wisdom becomes the practical knowledge of how to attain happiness found in God. It's, it's when we read the word of God It's like reading a prescription to cure all of our unhappiness. And it sounds simple, right? But it's not that easy. And it's not so simple. And the reason is because we've got something else established in us that wants to keep us from being truly happy. I was sermonizing this week, and I have have four kids. My oldest, 19, he comes out of the room, and he usually likes to have these conversations where you kind of I kind of like, maybe the gospel is taking shape, I'm not sure. And he comes out and he wants to have these spiritual conversations and they're always really late at night when I'm falling asleep, right? And thank God that we have a father that never falls asleep, that we can, we can come to him whenever, whenever we want. And so he comes out and he says, Dad, what's that part in the Bible where Jesus, you know, he's talking to two guys and he does something to his face and they can't recognize him? I said, What? the heck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's walking on the road. There are two guys and did something in his face. And he's like, you mean the road to Emmaus? He's like, yeah, yeah. And he, so he goes back to his room and I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. Comes out five minutes later, follow-up question. Dad, where's that part of the Bible? He turns into light Jesus, you know, and there's a voice that comes down and we're I'm like, the the transfiguration? He's like, yeah, yeah. So he goes back. At this point, I don't know whether to worry about what's happening. But I see, you know, he's reading the Bible, so who cares? Whatever. 
You know, he's reading the Word. You know. I can't force him, but he's reading it, right? Comes out five minutes later, sits on the couch. He's like, Dad, Jesus prayed, right? I'm like, yeah, he prayed a lot. And he taught us to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And so he's like, so you got to recite that over and over. And at this point, I could kind of connect some strange dots that are happening. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's not a magic formula where we can harness some kind of power. Listen, this voice that you read about, this voice that, that spoke things into existence, this voice that, that created the, the deepest foundations that we just read about right now, this voice that created the highest mountains, this voice that still speaks. You heard it tonight, the testimony. still speaks to young and confused moms. This, this audible voice wants to make itself known to you. And Jesus is saying that he's a father. And the father owns everything and he wants to give it all to you. But you kind of have to do what the father tells you to do. And you could tell in the expression of his face that was kind of a deal breaker. You know, he's like, yeah, shut up, Dad. I don't want to talk anymore. So he goes back to his room and I never saw him again. You know, and it's not just true, you know, with a, a 19-year-old son who's trying to figure things out, right? Identity, life, what to do next, right? It's in every one of us. We've got it established in every one of us that we will continue to find different ways to attain happiness apart from God. Listen to this Proverbs. It says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. You know the reason humble people or humble person is wise is because he or she depends on God for absolutely everything and fears to take credit for what God does. Proud people don't like to be corrected. Proud people don't like to be told that they need to mature, they need to learn something new, they need to grow. The only people who look for wisdom to be more precious than silver, to be more precious than jewels, are people who are humbly relying on God for help in absolutely everything and are completely terrified to seek happiness apart from Him. And this is why wisdom says in verse 13, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. In the last verse, he who fails to find me injures himself and loves death. God has provided for us wisdom. He's provided for us wisdom to live, but we're constantly obsessed with this desire to break out of the element we were designed for, we were created for, and we'll find new and innovative ways time and time again on the ground of disobedience. We may think we never do that, but every time we sin... That's exactly what we're doing. Instead of loving death, right? It's not a good thing to love. Instead of loving death, let's believe what God says and love wisdom. He's established it for us. Second thing we learn about the value of wisdom is the value of wisdom is not only established, but it's eternal. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the very beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. What if wisdom, let me ask you, what if wisdom was not primarily a list of do's and don'ts? What if wisdom was not primarily attaining uh, volumes of knowledge. It wasn't expensive tuition fees that we pay to, to learn something new. What if wisdom was a person you can know? What if wisdom was a person you can love? What if wisdom was a person that you can go to and a person who can counsel you? Listen to how John puts it in his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and the Word became flesh and dwelt 
among us. All that wisdom is here in Proverbs is true in its highest sense of the word that became flesh. And here we see Jesus. He is the chief. He is the head. He is the sovereign over all creation. There was never a moment that he was ever he has ever been without wisdom. And the connection between wisdom and happiness here is that wisdom is God's very delight. Verse 30. It's his very delight. And it's the power that drives him to create things. Forming all that is through, through divine joy, divine happiness. And so human life guided by godly wisdom in his ways is God's delight as he draws us into a relationship with himself. It's not some abstract thing that he's drawing us into. It's a person. This is why wisdom is infinitely valuable because in Christ are hidden all the what? Treasures of wisdom. And Jesus is the treasure trove of wisdom. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and treasuring Christ above everything that this world has to offer is this, listen, it's the supreme characteristic of a diverse group of people in relationship with him. He becomes for us, he becomes for us, rational thinking people, the argument for God's existence. He becomes for us the sacrifice that we desperately need. And even in the moments when we can't discern what to do next, the wisdom of God is with us. Listen, there's going to be times in our lives that we're not going to know what to do. That we need to seek God, just not, not just for knowledge and wisdom that we find in the Word. Wisdom's got to include a sensitive, it's got to include a mature judgment or discernment on how the fear of the Lord works itself in our lives, especially when we can't find it prescribed in the Bible. There's got to be what call, uh, Paul says, a renewing of our minds, a continuing of renewing of our minds to be able to test to be able to approve what the will of God is for our lives. Listen to how Paul says it in Corinthians. He says, we've not ceased to pray for you. He's telling the church in Colossia that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it's this spiritual wisdom, right? This wisdom that's not from this world. It's not something that you can take, right? That can guide us in all situations. And this wisdom is found in him and in his word. And if it's found in him and in his word, then what do we got to do to find it? We got to read the word. We got to apply the word in our lives. We got to meditate on the word. We got to apply ourselves in prayer like Solomon, right? When he prayed, Lord, give me wisdom to discern what is right and hear that voice that created the world. This wisdom leads to true and lasting happiness. It's not something that we're born with. It's something that God's got to give us. And it's ultimately seen in the person of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus himself says in Matthew's gospel. He says this. He says, the queen of the south. He's talking to the Pharisees, right? His favorite bunch of people. The queen of the south will raise at the judgment of this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. You see, Solomon spoke God's wisdom. But Jesus is the wisdom of God. To know and to love and to follow Jesus is to, listen, it's to own the treasure of ultimate and eternal happiness. Want to know what what it's like to experience that? To know what it is to really be happy, then come to Jesus. 
There's a very interesting quote by a famous missionary who died in the 50s. His name is Jim Elliott. He's, he's famous because he was killed by native Indians in Ecuador. He says this, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. Wisdom is infinitely valuable. It's established for you, and it is eternal. It's not fleeting. What about its nature? What about wisdom's nature? One day, two prostitutes approached King Solomon. Most of you know the story. They say, my Lord, this woman and I, two women, they approach him. My Lord, this woman and I, we live together and, and we each gave birth to a son last week. And, and, and one night while she was asleep, she rolled over and, and smothered the son. And so she got up at midnight, she took my son, she gave me her dead son, and now she's got my living son. And so they argued before Solomon, but the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. And so Solomon said, okay, let's settle the matter. Bring me a sword and we'll split this child in half. We'll divide it and we'll give, uh, what do you want, the lower half? Or how, do you, how do you guys want to play this? But the first woman whose son was alive loved her son, the Bible tells us, and said, you know, no, my Lord, give the child to the other woman. And the second woman said, no, 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 no. Let's split the son in half. And so Solomon said, you know what? Give the living child to the first woman, for she is his real mother. And the story ends with this observation in First Kings when it says this. It says, And all Israel heard the judgment which the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that what? The wisdom of God was in him to render justice. And this story, this narrative, shows us a couple things about the nature of wisdom. Firstly, wisdom sees beyond the surface. It sees beyond the uh, surface. Verses 12 and 14, it says that wisdom dwells with prudence. It dwells with prudence. It has counsel. It has insight. It has strength. How does Solomon's story relate to us today? How does it translate to real life activity, right? When true wisdom is exercised in the day-to-day grind that we live in, right? It will show itself in acts of insight, in acts of prudence and strength. Wise people have the ability to gain deep and intuitive knowledge about a person or about a situation. Wise people have the ability to see past surface uh, uh, distractions and get down to the underlying issues about what's going on. Wise people are prudent, meaning that they discern all but disclose very little. Wise supervisors Verses 15, 16, kings, nobles, princes. You got that boss, right? Wise supervisors, if you are a supervisor tonight, they know each employee. They know which employee to use in any given situation. They know the capabilities. They know the temperament of those that they govern, right? Each person, they know the demands that each situation will bring or require of that person, and they will act accordingly. In other words, he or she knows exactly how to delegate authority or responsibility. And wisdom is not something that you can purchase. It's not something that can be proved by credentials or degrees or achievements or a high score on a Facebook IQ test. It's not something that we can do. Wisdom has to, the, the wisdom that's talked about here is the wisdom that is God. And when we seek to be wise, 
of pride from God who is true wisdom, the results are always going to be disastrous. Listen to how the preacher of Ecclesiastes says it in chapter 7. He says, I directed my mind to know. This is him. Forget God. I, want to do I directed my mind to know to investigate and seek wisdom and an explanation and to know the evil or folly and foolishness of madness. And I discovered more bitter, this is what happens as a result, more bitter than death, the woman, all right, Lady Folly here, not just women in general, he's just poetic, poetry, whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains, one who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Listen, regardless of your personal strength, regardless of your depth of knowledge, apart from God, it will always, hear me, it will always lead to deception, it will always lead to unfaithfulness, and will never, ever, ever make you truly happy. The true meaning of biblical wisdom is shown in the quality of your faithfulness, the quality of your devotion, not just to God's ways, but to God personally. Let me ask you, what choices have you made recently? What choices lie before you this week? Because in this world, there's an intense, there's an intense debate over what is true. There's an intense debate over what is right, what is liberal, what is conservative, and if we, if we hear the wisdom of the world, right, if we seek wisdom and an explanation on our own, we'll wind up being receptive to whatever the culture promotes. Just follow your gut. Just follow your heart. Just trust your feelings. Just be true to yourself. You know, don't try to be somebody you're not. And these lies, listen, they're as old as the snake in the garden. It sets us up to be our own gods. And despite these decisions that we make that despise wisdom and lead to death, it's still very popular because it seems, on the surface, it seems so very liberating. Listen to how this proverb puts it. Proverbs 28 says, Those who trust in their own insight are foolish. If you ever come to me and says, you know what, I've sought wisdom apart from God. You know, I have under biblical authority to call you a fool. And in the Hebrew, the, the word is even more egregious. It means stupid. If you seek insight and trust in your own insight, you are foolish. But anybody who walks in wisdom, or rather anybody who puts on Jesus, is safe. True wisdom gives better results. The wise person will be honest with themselves, will know their limits, will admit their faults, will admit when they're wrong, and will try to be someone they're not, or at least someone they ought to be, Jesus. Wisdom not only sees beyond the surface, but secondly, wisdom leads to life and favor. Last verse, whoever finds me finds life, obtains favor from the Lord. And there are so many books that you can go to Barnes and, I don't know if that's open yet, Barnes and Nobles or Borders or wherever you go to read books. Amazon is killing the industry, right? <laughs> There's so many books on success, how to attain success, how to be happy. Too many to count. Still a lot of people today, they're, they're in frustration. They're living in poverty. They're living in depression, right? They're, they're frustrated. They got family problems. The reason is that, that most of us don't seem to, to put finding wisdom at the top of our priority list, right? We, make, we, we schedule everything. We go to the gym in the morning, we make our lunch appointments, right? We got to pick up the kids at school, 
we fulfill our appointments, we, we got to pick up that gift for the graduation or the birthday, you know, got to catch up on that latest episode on Grey's Anatomy. I was talking to a couple in the lobby, and my 15-year-old daughter's got me hooked on that show now, and, and, so, and so I got Hulu just to catch up on, don't judge me, don't judge me, listen, prioritizing wisdom seems to escape us. Seems to be the last thing that we do. Listen to this, this proverb. Listen to the importance of this proverb. Proverbs 4, 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Listen, there's nothing wrong in pursuing things, right? Things that we need, things that we need to do on a daily basis. But here God wants us to prioritize His wisdom above everything else that we set our hearts to pursue. And when you begin to see Jesus as your wisdom, when you begin to, to make wisdom your number one prayer request, you'll be able to see clearly through, through God's eyes, through His eyes, and begin to make the wise decisions that will lead into lasting practical success over any crisis, over any circumstance, over any situation that comes your way. Listen to how Paul says this. He puts it in 1 Corinthians. He says, and because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. I have read this verse, I don't know how many times, this is the first time it hit me this week. You know what the first thing that Jesus becomes for us, before he becomes redemption, before he becomes sanctification, before he becomes righteousness, he becomes for us wisdom. God prioritizes it, and thank God he does. Thank God that we have Christ as our wisdom, and he's available for us today, even now, even right now when we're listening. Jesus walked on this earth, we read it, and his wisdom, he was wisdom personified. He always knew what to say. He always knew what to do in word, and indeed, everything that he performed was perfectly wise, and this wisdom is now available to those who place their faith in him. Other voices, other voices will, 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 will tell us, hey, this, I think this is the right way. I think, I think this may seem to be true, but listen, Jesus is the truth. Other voices will point to the way that seems right and the, the way that seems like this is the life, but Jesus is the way and Jesus is the life. Other, uh, other voices will offer you pardon and will offer you forgiveness, but Jesus bought it by his death. The wisdom of the power of God was on full display by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So how are we to obtain favor from God as sinners? We're able to do that because God, in His wisdom, has removed, has removed the curse of sin through Jesus and was able to create life out of death, which demonstrated His power. And therefore, the good news is not only that we're forgiven, but that you can also live your life in obedience through the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And when we proclaim this good news, when we proclaim the gospel, news that to the world sounds like utter nonsense, what, God, uh, God died on the cross? That sounds absurd. It sounds like utter gibberish. And we, were, we, we proclaim this together as a body. When we proclaim this together as a church, we fulfill our purpose. We fulfill our purpose in becoming this very wisdom, this very wisdom that spoke everything into existence from the very beginning. Listen to how uh, Paul says it in Ephesians. He says, to me, this grace was given to preach 
to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the what? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold here is the many-layered, many-colored, right, multicolored wisdom of God might be made known. We have an enormous responsibility as a church. And so the command, the command to get wisdom is really to get Jesus. He is infinitely valuable and becomes for us, he kind of becomes for us this great signpost at the fork of the road, telling us where to go, telling us what to do, telling us where to turn so that we can become a faithful witness. We can become a faithful witness to this wisdom, to this very wisdom that gives us happiness, that gives us life, that gives us favor. And who needs to see it? The world needs to see it. They need to see this happiness and this life and this favor. They desperately need it. And so let us get wisdom. This week, make it and put, put it on your daily agenda. The number one thing I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning, morning is ask God, Lord, I need wisdom. It's the principal thing. It's the thing that God became for you first. He prioritizes it, and so should we. Amen? Let's pray.